0: The blue 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 In Whoville, liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right but I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small.
1: Well, hello, Heritage, and Merry Christmas. We are just a handful of days away from one of the two most significant celebrations of the year, the birth of Jesus. The other being Easter, but Christmas is a special time of year. It's marked by fun and festive activities and and many happy moments. And there are likely things for you that you're anticipating will bring you some level of happiness this Christmas. And I wonder if you made a list, what would make your list? Those things that are special and important to you that will make you happy this Christmas. For me, seeing my boys open a present with that wide-eyed, excited look, that I love. I also like hanging with my bride in front of the Christmas tree in the fireplace. Uh, here's another one, just getting her a gift that she didn't expect. doesn't happen a whole lot, but I like it when it does. Hanging with family, extended family is another one. Oh, I know, uh, listening to good music with good headphones while drinking a hot chai tea latte. That is a happy moment right there for me. Those are some of the things that make me or will make me happy this Christmas. And and maybe some of those are similar things on your list. And they're good things. But here's the bummer. (laughs) They're all fleeting. They are passing moments. And when they pass the happiness fades. Think about it. It happens with every happy moment. It's why we try to capture them with with pictures and video and even journaling. But even when we do that, they're a temporary emotion rooted in a circumstance and they're passing. On top of it, not everything we experience at Christmas is pleasant. There are hard things and difficult things and even painful things, so Christmas can be marked by sadness, by what's missing, by what's been lost, or what's not. And that can drive away our happiness even further and faster. And we can feel like someone who is chasing the ever-elusive emotion of happiness. We're kind of like a happiness junkie in that moment where we go from one moment to the next moment trying to regain and recover that happiness feeling. And it's not all that uncommon. Even the ideology of it is in our nation's history and how the nation even is established. Because when you look at the Declaration of Independence, one of the most famous lines talks about that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We consider the pursuit of happiness an inalienable right. It's universal, it's self-evident, it's inherent. Yet it remains a very elusive target, And we chase it, but it's a passing moment. And to be quite honest, maintaining happiness is about as difficult as trying not to get any glitter on you at this time of year. Or trying to get glitter off of you once it's on you. It's it's nearly impossible. And yet we chase this happiness. And it's no wonder that we're a frantic, ragged, exhausted people, especially this time of year. And why so many people are discontent, and they're longing for a better way. But this whole Christmas thing means there is a better way. There's a better way to live. And if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn or click with me to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be in your note guide. It's also going to be on the screen here. But Luke chapter 2 is where we kind of find what we call the Christmas passage, because it documents and records Mary and Joseph heading to Bethlehem for to be part of the census. And then in And then in verses 6 and 7, it happens. After 400 years of silence from God, that quiet is broken by the cry of a baby. Look at me at verses 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. These are two of the most crucial verses in all of Scripture. Emmanuel, God with us. God becoming flesh. It's a wonderful thing. But I want to take a look at what happens just a few verses later because some angels show up to a few shepherds that are out in the field and they get freaked out, they get terrified, but the angels say to them in verse 10, this is what they say, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will will cause great, what? Joy. Joy. It will cause great joy for all the people. Joy. The coming of Jesus means joy. And there are a lot of different Christmas stories that we can read and look at this time of year, but there's only one story that matters, and it's this one. This is the only one that matters. And so we've been taking some time to with the help of some Christmas classics to better understand what the coming of Jesus actually means. And we started our series by looking at Rudolph, seeing how the, being a misfit fits us and that there is a potential for our purpose to be redeemed. Then we spent some time looking at a Christmas story, how... What we're anticipating matters and how we ask and seek and knock and whether or not we truly trust our Heavenly Father to give us what we need when we need it. And then last week, with Elf and the help of Justin, we spent some time understanding how our identity is not in what we have or what we do, but in what Jesus has done. And each of those help us get glimpses of what true joy really is. And I want to I look at another Christmas classic, one where a lack of joy was the heart of the problem. And it's the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. It was written by Dr. Seuss, who, whose real name was actually Theodore Geisel. And it was published in 1957, and nine years later, became a TV special. And I wonder who's seen the TV special? Raise your hand. The original old school, Bettendorf, get in on this. Have you seen the original old school? Okay, great. Many of us have seen this thing. And we know that it's basically about a story of a, a bitter cave-dwelling creature who hates Christmas. And he wants to steal Christmas from the Merry Whos of Whoville. He's got green fur, yellow eyes, matching yellow teeth, and a foul grimace. But that's not all we know about him. We actually know a few other things. We know that he's a mean one. And he's cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel. And he's a bad banana with a greasy black peel. But let me just read a few other things about who he actually is. He's, a, he's got the termites in his smile, the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile... His brain is full of spiders, he's got garlic in his soul, and I wouldn't touch him with a 39 and a half foot pole. Yeah, hang on, I'm still reading this to Hang on a second. His heart is full of unwashed socks, his soul is full of gunk. The three words that best describe him are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. Well, hello there. You doing all right? How you doing in there? Kind of hot? Yeah, you got something for me? Ah, perfect. Uh, Actually, let me, oh, come on. I'll take Max. Thank you very much. I'll just set him right there. Okay, great. Um, Thank you. Thanks. So those are the things that describe the Grinch, his characteristics. You need something else? Oh, you want this to count. You want this to square things for calling a fellow teammate, Puddin' peppermint and having him dressed as an elf last week. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Not even close. Nope, not even close. Thanks, though. Thank you. Give him a hand. The Grinch. Listen, those things I read actually describe the character of the Grinch. And and I don't know if you've ever wondered why he was so Grinchy. I mean, the original story, as we heard, they, they say we don't really know. They speculate his shoes were too tight, his head wasn't screwed on right, his heart ultimately was two sizes too small. And in the, the later version of the Grinch that Jim Carrey was in, that movie, they actually give a story, though, of heartbreak and rejection and isolation. And, and honestly, there is always a storyline behind the dysfunction that we see in people's lives. And whatever the dysfunction was for the Grinch, the reality is that we can see he was a person living out of brokenness. And in some way, he kind of captures each of the characters we look at, have looked at so far, and even some others that we see in other Christmas stories. I mean, he was a misfit like Rudolph. He, he wanted something from someone he didn't trust and, and therefore didn't pursue it in the right way, like Ralphie. He needed to understand his true identity and purpose like Buddy the Elf. Even if we go to a movie like It's a Wonderful Life with George Bailey, George Bailey needed a second chance, and so did The Grinch. And in some reality, each of those stories kind of connect back to the Grinch a bit. And whatever the reason for his Grinchiness, whether it was his heart or his shoes, he hated the who's and he wanted to stop Christmas. And so I want to show you just a quick video, quick clip from the movie. And this takes place after he's stolen the decorations, the food and the gifts. He's he's already ridden up Mount Crumpet to go dump it. (laughs) And he's expecting and waiting to hear the cries and the wails and the sadness of the whos as they realize what they're missing on Christmas morning. And as he listens, instead of hearing cries of sadness, he hears something else. So check this out. Welcome, welcome,
0: Zabudus. Welcome, welcome, Zabudus. Christmas day is in our grasp. But this, this sound wasn't sad. What? this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch-feet, ice-cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more.
1: Apparently, when you realize the purpose of Christmas, your teeth turn white and your eyes turn blue. Listen, <laughs> here's... Here's what I love, the line that's just at the end of that. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Perhaps, maybe perhaps Christmas means a little bit more. That's a great line. And the rest of the scene, his heart grows three sizes. He gets the strength of ten grinches plus two. They reconcile with the Who's. They have a big celebration. It's a great ending. But the realization that Christmas means more than presents and garlands and lights and trees That it means more than family gatherings and days off from school and favorite songs or or even special movies. That it leads to a change of perspective and heart. Now as funny as the story may be, something's missing in the story of the Grinch. And it's missing Jesus. Christmas is not just about people and relationships, it's about Jesus. The hope and joy that he brings He's the one that changes our hearts and he positions us to go from chasing happiness to living in joy. He frees us to live joyfully rather than simply chase happiness. He he wants to do that in our life but we have to let him do that. And so the issue becomes an issue of happiness or joy. Happiness or joy, at first you may think happiness and joy are the same thing but they're not, they're very different. They're, They're related but they're different. Happiness in the dictionary relates to things that are more affiliated with luck and good fortune, where joy is something that runs just a little bit deeper, a deeper passion and a deeper pleasure. Happiness is a surface emotion where joy runs much deeper. And we feel happy when we win the lottery, but we feel joy when we are loved, when we are accepted for who we are. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on circumstance. Joy actually rests on something much deeper and much more stable. But let's do this. I think it often helps me to understand words by looking at their opposite. And so let's look at the opposite of happiness and joy. And and for the opposite of happiness, let me just give it to you. You you may want to write this down. This is very significant. The opposite of happiness, are you ready, is unhappiness. Ta-da! Shocking! Shocking! That the opposite of of happiness is unhappiness. It's misery. And that's not a big deal. It's easy enough. But when it comes to joy, there is a way to look at joy where it gives us a better understanding of what we read in Luke chapter 2. Because when it comes to joy, there's one way to look at it, and the opposite of biblical joy is actually fear. The opposite of biblical joy is fear. And that puts Luke chapter 2, verse 10 in a whole new light for us. Let's go back and look at it. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people. Now listen, this makes sense to me because the greatest obstacle to stepping into love often is simply fear. And the idea of the fear of the unknown, the things that we don't understand, what might be, what could be. Joy overcomes that and it's very different than happiness. In fact, biblical joy is, isn't even an emotion. It's not an emotion, it's an attitude of the heart. We could say that it's an attitude. It's that joy is an attitude that is ultimately given and provided by Jesus. So that joy is an attitude of the heart that Jesus provides. It's not something that we conjure up. It's not something that we can just develop. It's it's something that we receive. Let's look at what Jesus said. He's actually praying and talking with the Lord one day in John chapter 17. He said this. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may, what? Have. So that... You receive that. You said you may have the full measure of my joy within them. To have his joy. That's significant to understand that joy is not something we conjure. It's something that we receive. It's something that Jesus provides. That we can have it and not just any joy. It's his joy in us. It is something that is received. And it changes everything about how we view the world. So that places where happiness fades, joy can remain. Because it's bigger than our circumstances. It's, it brings peace in the midst of difficulty, loss, or hardship. Happiness is something that is temporary and fleeting, but joy lasts. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It is contingent upon the nature of our relationship with Jesus, which means that the secret of joy, if you're still tracking your note guy the next fill-in is that the secret of joy is being rightly related to Jesus. That's the secret to living joyfully in life. It's not our circumstances, it's not our willpower, it's not our determination, it's being rightly related to Jesus. It's not dependent upon something good or positive happen, happening to us. It's above and outside of circumstances. It's something that we receive, something that we choose through Jesus. And you may be thinking, really? I mean, it seems like you're saying this pretty starkly. Is it that absolute? I'm saying, yes, it is. We can pursue happiness, but we receive joy. Look at what Peter, this is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, what's beautiful about this section of Scripture is that we're very clearly, we're told that we have a new birth that we have a living hope, and that we receive an inheritance through Jesus. And that stuff doesn't spoil, perish, fade, or get stolen and driven to the top of Mount Crumpet to be dumped. It is through Jesus. And because of it, we can rejoice. Look what Peter goes on to say. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. That's joy. It's like it's, it's apart from circumstances, the reality in our life that we can have joy. But then he goes on to say this. Though for a little while... You have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. What? You give us new birth, a living hope, and an inheritance. What's with the suffering? Why? Well, let's keep reading. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, Now hang on, if we were to go back in this passage and we were going to circle the things that we do and we would underline the things that God does, here's what we would see. We would see that God gives us new birth, living hope, and an inheritance. And then we would see that our part is to love him, believe him, and suffer, to persevere in our suffering because then we receive inexpressible and glorious joy and salvation of our souls. It's it's joy in the midst of pain. Yet too many of us think joy comes when things we don't want are removed or when pain is gone. Even the Grinch thought that. But the secret of joy is being rightly related to Jesus. Because he gives it. He gives us his joy. And what Peter's talking about Peter, Peter's not talking about the passing circumstantial happiness that comes when we just know we're doing the right thing and we hang in there. He's not talking about willpower and determination to persevere. That stuff doesn't last. That only numbs us for a period of time. What Peter is talking about is a joy that was birthed in a manger, that was rejected by loved ones, betrayed by a friend, punished without guilt, hung on a cross of pain, and death for us. That's the joy that Jesus offers, one that knows our pain, our agony, and our suffering. He offers hope that's lasting, above circumstances, above loss, above disappointment, above presents and trimmings and trappings and silly stories. Jesus offers joy. You know, in just over a month, It'll be the two-year anniversary of the passing of my mom, her death after a 13-year battle with cancer. Here's a picture of us that uh, we took just a, a matter of days before she died. That's my brother and I in the, in the, on, in the blue, and my dad in the back, and my mom who's smiling. <laughs> that wasn't just for the picture. You know, the thing about my mom was that I, like, I miss her this time of year, especially at Christmas because she absolutely loved Christmas. But I miss her year round because she was a woman who exuded joy, even in adversity. And and it was because she loved Jesus. Because she loved Jesus, it allowed her to demonstrate an unwavering joy, even in the midst of pain. And that positioned her to ultimately walk a journey of suffering, a journey of sickness, with a lack of answers for more than a decade, with joy. Joy in the midst of pain. And I will never forget it. And I will always be grateful for the legacy and the example that she left me. That the secret of joy is being rightly related to Jesus. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. See, here's the thing. Christmas is not about our happiness. It's about our holiness. Jesus came so that we would be like him, holy, redeemed, and restored. Jesus came to save us. He, he could have isolated himself like the Grinch. Jesus was rejected. He was betrayed. He was hurt. He could have responded with bitterness. He, he could have been the ultimate Grinch, secluding himself on the, in the highest heavens apart from us. But Christmas reminds us that he didn't. He came. He jumped right into the middle of our cave, right into the middle of our pit, And made a way out. Yet like the who's in Whoville, we have an enemy that tries everything he can to steal our joy. He'll even tempt us with things that give us temporary happiness to lead us away from joy, to lead us away from God, to get us to focus on our pain. And that, quite honestly, is often the root of many cycles of sin in our lives. That pain, those habits and the addictions and the struggles, the pain often is the root. But here's a foundational truth that if you understand can begin to radically change your life, that pain is never justification for sin. Pain is never justification for sin. We've all experienced pain, things that have been tempting us to rob us of our joy, things ultimately God has allowed or even orchestrated, but pain is never justification or a legitimate excuse God knows our pain, but our pain will never qualify as an excuse or be justification for wrongdoing. We try to use it that way, but it's not. And every time we try to use it as justification for our sin, I think our Lord says to us, I understand your pain, but that does not excuse your sin. Because pain is never justification for sin. Now, I know it's hard to love through pain, but pain mishandled leads to more pain and ultimately, eventually, hate. And the Grinch was miserable, not because of his circumstances, but his perspective on his pain. He had pain, and it consumed him. It led him to mistreat others. It caused others to suffer like his dog, Max. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. And many of us already have, including this guy. You know, for the people down in Whoville, they experienced a loss, but they had a choice. And their belief was proved genuine as they continued to celebrate without the packages and the bows and the trimmings and the trappings. And that confused the Grinch, as they demonstrated joy above circumstances. But they weren't the only ones. Max did too. Both the Who's and Max chose joy amidst pain. And in some ways, Max had a very different experience because it was very personal. He was, he was in a, he loved, but was unloved. And your pain in your life may be, may be because of a loved one. What someone you have loved did or didn't do. The reality is, you can still choose joy. You can still find a healing and a hope in that. The Grinch On the other hand, from the who's and and Max didn't do that. He allowed pain to define him in a much different way. He felt justified out of his pain. He believed he, he was justified in what he did because of how he felt. And the truth is that hurting people hurt people. It's a sad reality. Hurting people hurt people. And when we live that out, we create a cycle that never ends. And if you find yourself this Christmas as a person in that space right now, you can be the one to stop it. You can be the one to forgive. You can be the one to choose joy and break the cycle. It is hard to love through pain. But in Jesus Christ, your potential is greater than your pain. Your future is greater than your past. And our God never wastes pain we give him never. Yet all the pain we keep, the pain we hold on to and try to control inside, that is always wasted because he can't redeem it until we offer it up to him. We offer our pain and we offer our dreams and we offer our life to the very point we're able to say like Job who experienced a lot of pain and a lot of loss in life. He said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. When we can get to that point, getting to that point, that regardless of what he orchestrates or allows in our life, that we trust and we choose joy, that is evidence that he is truly Lord, that we have given him Lordship. Bad things do happen in life. We've all experienced pain, but how we handle the pain determines more than we realize. And if we don't handle it well, it often becomes the storyline and the reason for our dysfunctional behavior down the road. But the beauty of Christmas... Christmas fundamentally shows us that pain can be redeemed. What's been lost can be restored. What's been broken can be healed. Or we can let it rob us of our joy. And I wonder this Christmas, 2015, what's robbing you of your joy? What's the thing that's robbing you of joy? Is it a loss? Something in your past? A disappointment? Questions without clear answers. The list could go on. The Whos had a joy that the Grinch thought he could destroy, but they didn't let him rob him of their joy. What's tempting you to release the joy that you receive through Jesus? Joy resides with him. It comes from him. It consumes our spirit and our body and our soul whenever it takes root. And then it spreads and it it goes beyond circumstances and it pushes beyond the immediate. And God wants to multiply the joy in our lives, not remove it. Now, the world's going to tell you, and your flesh is going to tell you, and the devil's going to tell you a different story. And that's where we justify our misconduct, our sin, out of that pain. But God wants joy fulfilled in your lives, and he calls you to more as you walk with Jesus. So here's, here's the deal. Here's the so-what reality for us today. There are three things that I want to share with you, and one of them is your next. You need to identify your next be able to step towards living in joy and not just chasing happiness. So one of these three things is your next. Let's take a look at what they might be. Because joy is received from Jesus. It goes beyond trimmings and trappings of this world. The first thing we ultimately need to do is to receive joy. You need to receive it. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It comes as we abide with Jesus. And if you don't have it, you can. If you had it once, but you've gotten tripped up and and fallen into the idea that you're going to pursue some level of fleeting happiness only, or maybe this is the first time you realize that the Jesus offers something beyond the fleeting happiness. He offers lasting joy. Then your the opportunity is to simply receive the joy to stop pursuing happiness as you pray and ask him to fill you with inexpressible and glorious joy. As you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. It's like what Paul prayed in Romans 15. He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the joy of walking in relationship with God, no matter the circumstances, you've never given your life to Jesus, today is a day you can actually receive joy. When you ask Him to forgive you of your sin, when you receive the gift of eternal life, and you just begin to walk with God, trusting Him, and receiving the joy that overflows. Listen, Christmas can't be stopped. The Grinch tried to stop it. Christmas can't be stopped, but Christmas can be missed when you don't receive the joy, when you don't receive Jesus. Because belief and trust are prerequisites for joy. We don't receive joy without believing. And it starts with receiving. It, w- it was Paul, the missionary and church planter Paul, who was one of the Grinchiest people in the New Testament before he encountered Jesus. He actually wrote these words. After he encountered Jesus, he was changed and transformed because he received joy. But that's not all he did. The second thing he ended up doing was that he chose joy. And maybe you need to choose joy. You've received Jesus somewhere along the way, but you actually need to choose to live into that joy, to actually live out the joy that you have received. And this is what Paul said to the believers in Thessalonica. He said, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is a choice to choose to live into joy. Regardless of circumstances, it's always an option for us to choose joy when we follow Jesus because it's an attitude of the heart that he provides. But we have to choose it. Henry Newman says this, I love his quote. He says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. There's great truth in that because this world can be very difficult. It challenges our joy, wants to rob us of our joy. But we can keep choosing it, having received it. Keep choosing joy every day. And for some of you, that means you need to stop believing that joy will only come when your pain is gone. For some of you, that means that you need to stop thinking that joy is only found in the fulfillment of your desires. For others, you need to stop thinking that God is failing to take care of you when he doesn't make things go the way you want them to that he doesn't have your best interest in mind. To stop thinking that, that, that fear is someplace some, that you can live, that you can actually embrace fear and let it dominate your life. Or even to stop comparing, having those unhealthy comparisons where, where envy and jealousy and discontent pop up, like what happened to the Grinch. And rather than do those things, to start praying, believing that God hears your prayers and he will answer according to his will, To even go far as to say that you will thank him for how he is going to work the things in your life for your good. That's choosing joy. It may mean you need to make a list of blessings, things that he has done. You make a list of prayer requests and you document when and how he answers them. Or maybe you just need to create time and space to sit in stillness and you pursue his Holy Spirit because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Whatever your next step is, if you need to choose joy, take that step. And if you've lost it, I want you to know you can reacquire it. You can receive it and then choose it. And keep choosing it every day. And if you find you're sitting in the space of this Christmas holiday thing, and you know what, it doesn't feel like Christmas, that might be a good example or a good reality to indicate that you're pursuing happiness. Because joy goes beyond the feeling of circumstance. Joy runs much deeper. It's joy amidst pain. It's joy amidst blessing. Joy amidst loss. Joy amidst challenge. And if Jesus is your Lord, all that is possible. Because he provides it. And once he does, the third thing is that we need to share that joy. To share joy. He gives us the joy. And if you have it, celebrate it. Jesus said this, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you have his joy, celebrate it. God wants to use you like he used his son, so don't hide in isolation. Celebrate it, praise God for that gift. Pray that others would see it in you and that others would receive it. Even those who may have been the ones that caused your pain, the grinches in your life, demonstrate the joy to them. Share his joy. He will give you more as you do it. So receive it and choose it and share it. If you don't do that, that means you're positioning yourself to let something rob you of your joy. And I wonder what that is. My prayer is that you will not let the pain of yesterday, the pain of today, or the pain of tomorrow distract you, distract your heart and attention from the angel's words who said, fear not, For to you this day a Savior is born. Now the secret of joy is being rightly related to Jesus. And there are a number of stories at Christmas that we don't need at all. There are stories at Christmas that don't matter. But there is one that does. And it's the one of a Savior born in a manger who died on a cross and then emptied a tomb. He is the one that provides joy if you will receive and choose and share his inexpressible and glorious joy this Christmas. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the midst of a world with both great and awesome, as well as difficult and tragic realities, that you are a good, good Father, and you give us an inexpressible joy, even though maybe we have had to suffer trials of all kinds. I pray, Father, that you would not Allow us, that you would help us to not wander away from you out of that pain, into bitterness, into hate, that we would not forfeit our joy, but that we would lay hold of the joy that your son provides and allow it to overflow. God, whatever may be in front of us this Christmas, I pray that we would express that joy. Lord, that you would be pleased, that that you would work in a way where you work all things for the good of those of us who love you. And if there's someone here today, Father, who has not yet asked your son to be Savior, I pray that in these moments they will, that they would receive joy. And then, Father, I pray that we would all choose joy every day. And beyond that, seek to share it. So, Jesus, I pray in these next few moments as we step back into worship that you would continue to speak and lead and move and we would experience that glorious and inexpressible joy this Christmas. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.